E.T. phone home. I'm just having some brewski beers at my Mojo Dojo Casa house. Wendy, I'm home. There is no place like home. Welcome to the House of Cinema Podcast. I am your host, Joe Aragon. With me today, my wonderful co-host, Sydney Volpe. And in the house today, Destiny, Sydney, has brought me this <laughs> podcast today. You think you're so great? Because <laughs> you have Be- a you November have- recap? <laughs> <laughs> because you have a podcast? <laughs> Um, we're talking not just Napoleon, although I did reference Napoleon right now. We are talking kind of like a micro November recap. We've talked about you know several big movies that released in November already, uh, but this is kind of our way of discussing three movies we didn't get a chance to talk about. I was about to say three movies we loved, but that's not entirely the case. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> going to rewind on that one. Um, <laughs> three movies we think are important to talk about. Uh, that we didn't get a chance to talk about during November. Uh, and those movies are The Marvels, The Holdovers, and The Napoleons. Those are the three movies we'll be talking about today. The Napoleons? What is the it, Napoleons. the Brady Bunch over there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's a story about a guy named Napoleon. <laughs> he was short, and he was a cuck, and he was a oh, loser. Oh, and an incel. An incel? <laughs> um, so those are three movies we're talking about. Uh, Gosh, I think we should start just kind of from chronologically when they were released. Uh, but before we jump into the movies, Sydney, well, how are you? It, it, has, it hasn't been that long since you've been on the podcast. I mean, the public side, at least. You're on the Patreon side every, side every week. How are you? Uh, how are things for the, the audience to know? I'm good. Yeah, we've been doing House of Horrors every week. But uh, yeah, you and Clara last did the new Hunger Games movie, right? So you guys did the whole did the whole discussion on that. Yeah, I, we, we've kind of switched off a couple times. We did The Hunger Games. We did Priscilla. What right. else has come out in November? Well, we did The Killer. And The Killer. That's that right. That's right. That was fun. Um, but yeah, I'm good. In November, I mean, I was just home for Thanksgiving. I hope everyone who was celebrating Thanksgiving had a very nice holiday. Um, but yeah, we got a lot of Thanksgiving releases. November has been a very crazy month. So I'm glad we're kind of taking time to reflect. Crazy good, crazy bad. What do you think? Um, well, I guess it depends on what you would consider a November release, because I'm sure besides these main three, we'll talk about some things here and there. But like, I know you and I both saw like May, December. I saw poor things in November. That definitely isn't a November release. Yeah, that one's a count. I'd say it was a good month, though. Okay. Overall. Do you agree? I do agree. And really curious about your May, December thoughts. We haven't really talked about it uh, at all. And I've been trying to, I haven't written a review yet. I've been kind of busy, but I'll just say about May, December, I did like it. Um, I was expecting to like be head over heels for it like some people are. I still mm-hmm. really liked it, but I'm not like, just spoiler alert, I'm not in the four and a half range right now. Um, Me either. Oh, um, good. Okay. I don't feel alone now. I, I no, feel like everybody, so like a lot of our peers are like, oh man, four and a half, five star movie. And I, I'm not, and again, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just like not there yet. Uh, and not don't know if I'll ever get there, but I, I still really liked it. We'll talk about it probably in the December recap, or maybe we'll have an episode dedicated to it. We'll kind of yeah. Explore it's an options. interesting. It's an interesting movie. I, I have seen a lot of people giving it like four stars. I think that's where I'm at, and I want to kind of marinate with it a little bit because it is. I loved it so much, but it didn't have that extra, that extra 
oomph for me. Yeah, I think. same here. Same yeah, here. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. Well, well, we'll wait. We'll we'll wait on our May December conversation for now. Let's segue to the Marvels, the equivalent of May December <laughs> in every way, in form, and fashion. Oh yeah, subject matter uh, really similar. <laughs> yeah, so similar. The Marvels has been in the conversation a lot over November. For several different reasons. One, it's constantly being tweeted as like the biggest MCU failure movie wise. Mm -hmm. And it may be financially. Critically, it's not. I'll just say on Rotten Tomatoes at least. It has a Rotten Tomato score of 61%. So it is currently fresh. It was kind of teetering between Rotten and Fresh for like a week and a half. It was, yeah. It's finally landed on its feet at 61. So it is fresh. And it has an audience score of 83%. Now, before we jump into some questions I have for you, here is a quick summary for anybody who's like, didn't see the Marvels and wants to know what's going on in it. Here's what Letterboxd says. Carol Danvers, aka Captain Marvel, has reclaimed her identity from the tyrannical Kree and taken revenge on the Supreme Intelligence. Who the fuck is the Supreme Intelligence? I don't know. <laughs> Do you know who that is? Skill issue. <laughs> it was the it was the AI thing that was uh um <laughs> <laughs> okay all right <laughs> it was a you know it was like a oppressing the Cree. okay was it is that the first movie down the Cree? i think it i think it was involved somehow i just know oh. in this movie captain marvel like destroys it and that ended up being a mistake okay that is made clear in the movie yeah but anyways i'll continue But unintended consequences see Carol shouldering the burden of a destabilized universe when her duty sent her to an an anomalous wormhole linked to a Kreeva revolutionary. Her powers become entangled with that Jersey City superfan Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel, and Carol's estranged niece, now saber astronaut Captain Monica Rambeau. Together, this unlikely trio must team up and learn to work in concert to save the universe. Jesus, what a mouthful of a summary. That is a lot. I mean, that's pretty uh, exemplary of. I was going to say, do you think that's an indicative (laughs) summary of why this movie is kind of a mess? Like, it's. We're just throwing words out Cree revolutionary, anomalous wormhole, destabilized (laughs) universe, saber. (laughs) There are just like so many words in here that, like, the summary itself is having a hard time communicate what this movie's about. Well, in a, related to that, I do think that there's a lot going on in this film. I think it's a. I thought it was a total mess, but there was a lot of uh, alarmist conversations about, oh, you need to have watched this, this, and that in order to like understand it or have a good time with it. Did you find that to be true? Like, if you have or haven't watched what Secret Invasion, Miss Marvel uh wandavision the first captain Mm. marvel how much context is really needed i'm glad you asked this question because it definitely came into my brain as well as i was watching the movie i haven't seen miss marvel i haven't seen all of it i've seen pieces of it and from what i've seen i've like enjoyed what i've seen um have not seen secret invasion i've seen only two episodes and apparently it gets so much worse after that so that's a bummer Mm. and captain marvel i haven't seen in probably over a year and a half or so and as I was watching this movie, I did feel at times like maybe I should have rewatched Captain Marvel because there were oh. characters and relationships that I 
I just don't remember exactly what they were like. Like, I know that um, Carol Danvers has a relationship with Monica Rambeau's mother, like a friendship. But I, I don't really remember to the extent, like, do they end poorly? I, I just don't remember anything. And I feel like I did miss out on, like, a lot of emotional cues because I just hmm. didn't remember Captain Marvel at all. Um, WandaVision, Monica Rambeau's involvement in that is not... I. Is it limited? Like, I, I remember her being there, but, like, not that big of a deal? I don't remember, I mean, actually. I feel like for the sake of this film, you just need to know that she, like, got her powers from Wanda's hex. Yes. And that was enough and to, like... Say, and they tell you that. Yeah, they say that pretty, like, literally to the literally screen, to your like face. what I just said. They're just like, <laughs> I got my powers from witch's hex. <laughs> exactly. And so the, and the Kamala Khan um, side story or her show, I feel like they did a good job kind of giving you the foundation of what that show is about. Mm -hmm. So when we were in this movie, I never had any issues understanding her character or her motivations or her relationships. It was really, I find the Carol Danvers character so confusing if I'm being completely honest. Oh. I, I don't really understand who she is, how she got her powers. I don't really understand the character at all. If I'm being honest, mm, how she got her, uh, it's the Tesseract. No, I, I I don't know. I do not know. I think it was like, yeah, I need to watch. I, I did rewatch like the first part of the first Captain Marvel. I think it's good, by the way. You can take that to the bank. I watched but... the, the first 30 minutes for this podcast on the on the Patreon side, and, and I didn't hate the first 30 minutes. It's cool, like cool 90s vibe. I, I enjoy exactly. it. It's fun. Like, I think it aged well in the grand scheme of Marvel. Yeah. Um. But yeah, okay, that's fair. I, I think that definitely, ironically enough, the first Captain Marvel is almost the most important thing for this. I've actually heard that having watched Secret Invasion it makes it more confusing <laughs> because it just like, <laughs> that's what I've heard from everyone I know who has seen Secret Invasion. They're like, you're better off because it's kind of confusing. Like they don't really even connect it to Secret Invasion I've also heard that like Nick Fury's character, I did not like how Nick Fury was kind of just relegated to comic relief for this entire movie. movie. And they were like, it was a total change in character. I did Secret like, he Invasion. did have some pretty funny one-liners though. I'm not going to lie. But he was just the peanut gallery. I was like, this isn't Nick Fury. I know, I know. He's just there. He's like doing some some like side acting in the background with some character. He's not really <laughs> the forefront of anything, but yeah. Um, I completely forgot that Secret Invasion is about what are the green guys called? The scrolls. The scrolls. See, I was calling Cree. I already forgot. <laughs> I forgot that Secret Invasion is about the scrolls, and mm -hmm. the scrolls are in this movie for a little bit. And I forgot Ye that Nick Fury is. It, it, well, I'm, I'm really glad I didn't watch it because I would have been so confused, probably. Yeah, I mean that's what I've heard. Yeah, I know the scrolls played a really small part basically they just happen to be involved because they get like rescued by captain marvel and then she's like well i don't know what to do with you guys <laughs> oh yeah call she, called, valkyrie. she calls valkyrie and's like yo valkyrie can you take these scrolls off my hand and is she just taking them to new asgard new, new asgard which is just on earth isn't it i think so <laughs> right am i wrong no i yes i think you're right <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I don't know where else it would be. <laughs> Joking. Because this movie's ridiculous. I want to back up to a question I had for you earlier about the Rotten Tomato score. Because okay. we do live, maybe you and I, when I say we, 
maybe me more than you live in this chronically online world on Twitter where the popular consensus on Twitter is mostly always negative. Very little positivity comes Mm -hmm. from that website. And so it's easy for someone like me and maybe someone like you to think, oh, audiences are just going to fucking hate this movie because everybody on Twitter is just tearing it up. Right. And everybody on YouTube and everybody on TikTok. But you look at a score as 83% audience score, which is very high. You know, 80% of the audiences at least liked the movie. I thought it was good. Does that surprise you at all? I don't think it does. I, I mean, yeah, the scores are not bad. I mean, 61% critic score is also not even that yeah, bad. I agree. Um, and I did, I do think that there was a lot of kind of uh, premeditated hate towards this movie. And then once it once it came out, I even my mutuals on Twitter, I saw a lot of them enjoyed it. And they just kind of said, like, it's fun. I don't really know why it needs to be like this big argument. I just thought it was a fun time. Um but, you know, there are also a lot of people who are just fed up with the whole Marvel formula right now, and that's totally fair. Um, and so I think general audiences did probably have a generally good time with it, but mm-hmm. also it's not like a lot of people even saw it. Well, clearly not a lot of people saw it. <laughs> We're talking about a movie that has like a 200 and plus million dollar budget, has not made that back alone do you think people aren't watching it is this a conversation about the larger picture of marvel's current status or is it lack of marketing or is it the fact that miss marvel's the characters involved in this this movie are you're taking two characters who are from tv shows so you're requiring audiences to watch two tv shows and then one character from a movie from 2019 where do you think the problem lies there's no right answer, by the way. I'm just curious, just trying to pick your brain. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very complex. I mean, you also see all the hate directed at Nia DaCosta. I don't think it's irrelevant that it's a female-led film. No, um, not at all. It's just kind of this cataclysm of all of that. Just, I mean, there's, it feels like there's no context anymore for the Marvel movies that are that are coming out. And so it's just, I mean, I hope it doesn't reflect badly on them, like, choosing to make more female-led films and like pay attention to these characters i think it really is just bad timing yeah um do what do you think i think you said it really well like it is this amalgamation of misogyny people who are inherently just going to be trashing the movie because it is a female directed film with three female superheroes because the three Um, leads are great they're like the best part of the movie Yes, well said. Exactly. They are the best part of the movie. Every time they're interacting together, I'm having a ball. I'm having right. a great time watching them all kind of interact with each other, learning learn each other's uh, powers and how to use the powers. I had a great time watching that. Um, I do think other parts of why this movie continues to maybe fail is it does not seem like they knew what they wanted to really promote. Mm. Um you know, notoriously, the, the trailer, the final trailer for this movie came out and it was opening up with T- Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man and Chris Evans as <laughs> Captain America. And like that was so weird s- scenes from Endgame. And it like screams, oh, shit, we're in trouble. We know we're in trouble and we need people to be interested in this movie. And that's really sad that you can't get people interested in your movie just with the actual contents of the story or the characters. Uh-huh. And I think there's like there's a a divide somewhere 
And I, I really think it's just studio execs being idiots and they're not, not really knowing how to get this movie out there. Um, I think yeah. it's important to note the strike it happened up until the week this movie was released. Yeah, they didn't really get to promote. I mean, yeah, they were as the second it ended, they were out there promoting it, but it was kind of past the too late. It, I think the, the strike doorway, ended you know? the week this movie came out, mm-hmm. and like you know, Imani Vellani went out to theaters to support it. They were already like booking talk shows, but um, I said Imani Vellani, <laughs> Iman Vellani, Iman Vellani. <laughs> Um, what was I saying? Uh, booking talk shows, uh, strikes, right? But there is an entirely possible universe where if the strike wasn't happening and Iman Vellani was out there with uh, Brie Larson and Tiana Paris, is that, is that her name? Paris, Tiana Paris? Yeah. If they were all out together, is there a, a reality where this movie does succeed? What do you think? Oh my gosh! I don't know if we can even if we can even guess that. Yeah, I mean, I think not. this film is better than both. Use Ant-Man your Madam Web powers. <laughs> I knew he was going to die. <laughs> I finally, so, so I know. I finally saw the trailer in IMAX in a theater with people. So did I. Ooh, I will say, the Napoleon crowd did not receive it well. <laughs> I saw it in Napoleon too with my dad, and he was like. Oh, what's that? I was like, don't worry about it. it. My mother was in the Amazon studying spiders when she was killed. What a line read, man. What a line read. Oh, my God. That um, may be one of the worst trailers I've ever seen. But who knows? I, you know what? You know that I stand the Sonyverse. You do. I'll be there day one. Yeah. You'll probably be there day negative three. You'll probably be there early. (laughs) Send me to the fucking premiere. Um, I know it's a good point. You, you, this is an impossible question to speculate and guess on, but I don't know. I, I kind of just feel that at some degree, if the strike wasn't happening, we had these people involved in promoting the movie better. There is a reality where I'm not sure if it makes its money back. It, the movie costs over $200 million. That's an absolutely That's absurd. Insane. Yeah. But maybe they it does need a to just better. make them for cheaper and it's not even an issue. Oh, I was going to say earlier that I think this is better than both ant-man and the wasp quantumania and thor love and thunder i agree um, Both it's those, not yeah. like it's the worst mcu movie ever no not um, at all not at all but so yet, yet we're getting mm. those those vibes from that you know toxic side of the community right and i am concerned like you said that i hope it doesn't kind of sway them to not make movies like these anymore because i there is somewhere in there a buried a good movie i agree somewhere um yeah i mean that's the bummer is that i don't think either of us actually did think it was all that great mm-hmm. um but still that doesn't warrant it being treated like it's like there's nothing good about it kind of to rewind back to something i mentioned earlier about the marketing trying to treat this movie like an event type film a part of me feels like an issue the mcu movies have in general is that they feel like every movie they put out now has to be this big event status hmm. film Rather than just focus on like a more intimate, maybe smaller scale story, nothing, everything doesn't need to be endgame. It doesn't, they don't need to all be Infinity Wars or Multiverse of Madness. Like we can get a really solid, well-made movie. There's no reason to try to market everything as like, this is it, this is it. This is the pivotal moment to the MCU. But it does feel like the Marvels fell into that trap and not only with its marketing, but with its post credit scene. 
Hmm. Which the I mean, if, scene. spoilers ahead. If you don't want to know what happens post credit scene, skip ahead. But we, I think we should talk about it. What were your, what was your reaction to the post credit scene? I didn't have. I'm. I mean, I'm. A, Did you I mean, even have a reaction? For, not really. And I'm a huge X Men fan. Uh-huh. Um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, the X Men are introduced. We saw Beast. Um, Kelsey Grammer as Beast. I just. I felt nothing because I don't have faith at all anymore in what they would do with it. Yeah. Did you get excited? I thought that you were maybe a little excited. I I looked it up on Twitter like the week it came out and didn't even bother like (laughs) hiding it or like trying to avoid it. I I just did not care about what the post credit scene was going to be which is probably a testament to where these movies have kind of lost me at this point because maybe a year ago I would have done everything I could to avoid spoilers. I mean even when Multiverse of Madness was coming out I was trying to stay off the internet because I wanted to kind of experienced that for the first time now we're at a point where i'm like all right i'll just go on twitter and see if someone's posted it and someone of course did but 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 the crowd i was with not a full theater maybe like half packed uh, a lot of reactions really Uh, yeah a lot of reactions a lot of people were excited (gasps) on twitter i I will say not to call you out kelsey but kelsey was sitting next to me she didn't know the (laughs) post-credit scene and she went oh my god wow <laughs> so she she was she whether or not she was excited she was surprised she was surprised she did not expect to see beast there and that is interesting that you get somebody like you and i who maybe have been less excited by it because we've lost a little bit of faith in where this franchise is heading but maybe kelsey is representative of the larger picture here I think I think it could be that. I mean, I saw a lot of people talking about it on Twitter. Like they were really excited. They were talking about the character design. Like they were talking about his casting. They were talking about the possibilities of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just yeah. I just truly feel nothing. I think it's getting to the point where it feels a little bit desperate. Like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like an exciting thing to look forward to. It feels like they're desperately trying to to manufacture something that people are going to be interested in seeing. That's why like I'm totally but like you said not everything can be endgame. I was in support of them just doing a full reset after endgame and just taking a breather because it's like they have been trying to maintain that level of interest with like scraps of the previous of like the infinity saga and it's like it's just a mess at this point. I have no idea what the main storyline in this franchise is. And they've also trained audiences to not see these movies as events because they have a show in between everything. And like the movies just haven't been um, up to that standard lately. And so I just, yeah, I just, I don't trust it anymore that it's going to be good. So it's like, why even bother getting excited? I don't, I don't even, at the beginning of us knowing that the Fantastic Four was going to, was going to be a thing, I was excited. But now I'm like, Man, I it probably won't be that good. Well said. I, I cannot put it better myself. I desperate was the word I've been looking for, I feel like for the last 20 minutes of this conversation. Right. It does feel incredibly desperate. They're just the doing whatever they can. Ferociously. <laughs> they're yeah, they've taken the keys, they've put it in front of our face, and they're like, look, 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 pay attention. We're still relevant. When in reality, 
the reason they rose to dominance isn't because they were throwing cameos everywhere. It was because they were developing these really interesting stories right. and like focusing on these characters. And then the added bonus was that we did get some teasers, but now it's kind of flip-flopped. And that has become the big reason why these movies have not... They're performing okay. I think it's... I don't want to be totally negative. Guardians of the Galaxy made a lot of money. This it is was true. well-received. Uh, Wakanda Forever was well-received. But James Gunn's gone now. James Gunn is gone. So, you know, I think we're just at this point where... People are recognizing, and I say people, I, I specifically want to focus on Gen Z because this is like the, the audience for these movies now. Mm. Uh, I think Gen Z is at this point where they just, they don't care about these cameos anymore. I think they, I think they do want better movies. I'm giving this generation some credit. I think they want some substance. Yeah, I think I hear from my friends, like my friends who are not super into film, but like in the past have been into Marvel. They are no longer not only are they not rushing out to the theaters to see these things, they don't even know they're coming out. Yeah, And that so is wild. also attributable to the strike. But it's like they're not even checking, you know, because yep. who cares? Well. What, what, what they're doing is clearly not working um and i and i want them to find something that works but it's like i, I want them to be making real movies i'm not gonna yeah you know support it just because um because we're paying for it <laughs> exactly I, I i never want a franchise to be bad or perform poorly you know i want to go these movies and have a good time and and and, and really enjoy them and you know, be able to talk about them and be excited about them. It's not fun to sit here and like rag on them all day. That's not really exactly what the point of this is. So I think we're just at a point now where it's okay to have higher standards. Uh, I think people can have fun with these movies, but still demand uh, a, a higher quality of, of output from Marvel. Exactly. I think that's what makes some people upset is that it's like you, like people who are very loyal to Marvel, if you love something, you should critique it. Yes. Um, yeah, you should. You should. So, yeah, okay. the Marvels was okay. Final score? <laughs> I gave it a 2.5 out of 5. Like, I, I thought there were some fun parts in it. That's what Would I gave, give it it? As, oh, okay. gave it. Oh, okay. Give it 2.5 or a 2. I can't remember exactly. Oh. Did I you think a, I like think a the flurkin scene? I did like the flurkin scene a lot. I fun. did. I did. There were some really cool scenes. I like the montage of them training, learning their powers. Agreed. I um, did like that extended action sequence at the beginning as well. Same. I did like that one as a lot as well. For Marvel, um, like it's not like I'd say some of my favorite recent action sequences were from Shang-Chi. Dude, um, Shang-Chi, the bus sequence of Shang-Chi. The but the I think this the Skyscraper? one up in this yeah. That's a good one too. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, like, there are little glimmers of hope. It's not, the fire isn't completely extinguished, you know? Yeah. There are, there are little embers to be stoked. And, mm -hmm. and the fire can still be They are small, but they're cast. mighty. <laughs> <laughs> they are small, but they are mighty. <laughs> um, anyways, okay, cool. I also wrote down in my notes, gun to my head, don't know the villain's name. <laughs> That's my girl, Darben. With da oh Darbin, Darben, Darben, what's Dar Dash Ben? I hope I'm right. <laughs> yeah, Darben. Darben. I only know her name because when I did my YouTube review, I was like looking. I had to be like looking it up. <laughs> I liked Darben. Like, 
Sure. I didn't well. like, I mean, she's the, as a villain, she was terrible. I mean, the writing was awful. So bad. But that's Darben. I don't know. Darben. <laughs> All my homies love Darben. Yeah. Uh, let's segue to another movie. Should we save the best for last? I kind of feel like that'd be a good way Maybe to end this podcast. Maybe we should. Okay. End on a, ha- a happy note. All right, let's talk about Napoleon. Ridley Scott's newest Ooh. epic 10-hour Napoleon. Is it 10 <laughs> hours or does it just feel like 10 hours, Sydney? What's, what's the deal there? All right. What black, what's the like black magic four. happening there? I'd say it felt like four. <laughs> <laughs> 10 is exaggerative. <laughs> How is it possible a movie that's like two and a half hours feel longer than Killers of the Flower Moon, which is literally an hour longer than it? Well, let's talk about it. Hopefully there is some movie magic here and this cut felt like four hours, but the four hour cut will feel like two. <laughs> that would be really, really funny and cool. Um, I will. I, I talked about this a little bit on the Patreon side of the podcast and the news, but I'm just going to repeat it for the public side. Okay. I saw this movie. I've seen it twice. You've seen it twice as well. So we're I've like. I've also seen it twice. I saw it two no- nights in a row. Woo. That is some Napoleon dedication there. <laughs> Um, so we're very well versed in our Napoleon knowledge at this point, but the second time I saw it, I did see it with, uh, two, and I mean this in a lovingly way, boomers, and they were excited because they love Ridley Scott and they love Joaquin Phoenix. It made it very clear going in. I love Gladiator. I love Gladiator. I love Joaquin Phoenix. They were pumped. And in that IMAX theater, I would say 90% sold out. It was packed. Hmm. Most people, just from my glancing throughout the audience, I would say were over the ages of 35, 40. So it was an older crowd. Mm-hmm. Leaving the theater, you know, I didn't like interview anybody, but just, you know, getting the vibe of the people walking out and listening to the muttering of people to their friends and family. Um, people were feeling a little exhausted. People looked like they had the mm-hmm. life drained out of them. <laughs> and I heard a lot of, it was cool. It was fine. It was good. Me, I liked yep, it. Me too. I didn't love it. I didn't hear any big like exclamations of like, that was awesome. Love Napoleon. Can't wait to watch it again. There was no <laughs> no energy leaving the theater. And I think that's really a really good way to capture how I felt walking out of this movie twice now. I Okay just felt drained the second time and i'm not in love with this movie particularly but i'm curious to know about your your theater experiences on on watching this movie twice yeah mine were kind of similar and i did hear the second time i saw it both mine pretty much sold out i was i was like wow people are really coming out i mean the movie we again we said all this in the news episode but like the movie is making a ton of money i think it is attracting a lot of audiences, an older audience who loves historical epics. They love Joaquin Phoenix or like the gladiator era. Um, I've had some younger people in my audience because I think uh, we're in this like historical epic wave of Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer. This one is definitely the inferior of the three. Um, and it's like a spectacle film. Like people want to see it. The The one thing I've been saying is I'm like, the imagery and the battle scenes in this alone, I think, are worth seeing it in IMAX, Absolutely. even though I didn't love the film. And I actually, the first time I saw it, I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. The second time I gave it a 3 just because it was, I was like, man, it really is just 
a hard movie to like put <laughs> especially i think this film ends on a really strong note like I the do third too. act i think I is really too. good um yeah. but in the middle man i even my and my dad liked it but he was like i may have dozed off a couple times <laughs> <laughs> But but, uh, but we also had a really interesting conversation about it after, you know, flaws and all. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I had two of my worst theater experiences recently seeing oh, this no. movie. The first one I tweeted about, that was the kid. And people were being pedantic about me using the word kid. I said, the kid in front of me at Napoleon. I'm like, and they're like, well, he's a kid. Like, why? I'm like, dude, it's fucking Napoleon. He was probably like 20 years old. I just yeah. happened to say like the kid in front of me or whatever. But there was a a boy, a guy, there was a guy in front of me. Uh, he looked like he was probably like with his buddies. He's like 18 or 20 or whatever. Had the first 10 minutes of the film, like the the title card doesn't pop up until like 10 minutes in the movie, but he really wanted to get a video of the title card happening. So he's holding, he's holding his phone up for the entirety of the beginning of the film until the title card pops up. He records it posts it on his Instagram story and then keeps like checking who's viewing it throughout the film. And I'm just like, what, you know, why is it really that important that you're fine? Just like everyone around you can, you know, that everyone around you can like see you, but wait, it gets worse. Oh no. <laughs> in my second showing, there was a couple and they were two. The, the guy in front of me at the first one, I was going to say something until eventually he like stopped checking his phone. So I was like, okay, thank God. But the second showing, they were like a couple rows ahead of me. They were looking at Wikipedia of the French Revolution <laughs> like in the middle of the movie. <laughs> and they weren't doing it discreetly, like holding it down. They were holding it up in front of their faces and like scrolling and like talking about it. And so the lady in front of me like tapped them and asked them to put it away. I was oh like, gosh. you're a hero. But you know how long like, that Wikipedia what? is probably? It's probably like <laughs> 20 subchapters of just information. I stunned. I mean, like we've gotten a lot of questions on the Patreon about our bad theater experiences. And I haven't – I typically like have really good luck. But yeah, Napoleon is really bad. Damn, Napoleon bringing out uh, the dogs. All right. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> but anyways, it's like – the bad behavior is kind of indicative of like an event film. Um, yeah. like people are coming out to see to see Napoleon. That is probably an entirely different conversation for a different podcast on yeah, the yeah. the consequences of event type films and people feeling the need to record the title sequence and then post it. When I was at Hunger Games, uh, Battle of Songbirds and Snakes, ballad, not battle. It would have been cooler if it was a battle. <laughs> um Someone at the end of the movie took out their phone immediately because they knew the title card was going to happen and immediately started recording. Yeah. And I, I, it is an interesting conversation that, again, we'll probably have to save, but it is such a strange phenomenon that people feel a need to post this kind of content online. And I, even I'm seeing some of my peers, and I'm not calling it in the mount right now, but I've seen some of my peers will like post on their like Instagram stories or like the slideshow mode on tiktok like them at the movies and like their feet up and they're watching a movie i'm like put your phone away man i don't know what exactly this is coming from now sometimes with like like you think of the evil dead rise title card we'll try and wrap this up because i mean i'm sure we both could ramble about it forever but it was like when the evil dead rise title card was a big exciting thing on twitter it's like everyone had to get their picture and post it for likes 
It's either like you want likes or it's like we feel like we don't exist unless everyone on the internet knows what we're You're doing. You're being noticed you know? by them. Yeah. And it's but it's also just like this exclusivity factor of like being in the theater seeing it. Like it's like why can't you just take a picture of the poster or something? That's yeah. a good point. I mean, probably at its root, its foundation is that social media has just rotted our brains to the point where we need this constant gratification in some or form or fashion, whether that be with our friends on Instagram or with strangers on Twitter, just the like the uh, serotonin levels of dopamine hit that you get when someone likes your tweet is yeah. so addictive that you that you're just gonna take that. Picture we get in the it. Theater. Trust us. Like oh, I get it, man. <laughs> I fucking make videos online for a living. Like I fucking get it. That 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 rush I feel when I go on TikTok and I got like a video that has over twenty thousand likes. I'm like fuck yeah. Like give me another hit of this yeah. shit. Like I want more. <laughs> I'm fucking just like give me another line. <laughs> I get it, but I'm not going to I'm not going to interrupt somebody's viewing experience to to do that. And that is distracting. It's really distracting. Yeah. You know, like you want to get you go to the theater so that you can be totally just focused on that film and you enter into an agreement with everyone there when you go and see a movie in the theater and it I mean you're lying to yourself if you think you're doing it like discreetly enough that no one can tell. Everyone it's distracting. I agree. I agree. Anyways, back to Napoleon itself. <laughs> Yeah. Napoleon bringing um, out us, uh, the, the crazy side of people in the audiences. Well, so we talked about, you know, yeah, what, what it seems like as a theater experience and what people were reacting. But what did you think of, like, why did you not think this film was great? I want to echo what you said earlier before I, I say anything that I don't like about it. The battle sequences in this movie, absolutely worth seeing in IMAX. Oh, here's a, the IMAX, here's a question. I, oh, go for it. Waterloo or Austerlitz? Waterloo. Me, right? Waterloo for sure. Hell yeah. The Waterloo battle scene, not just, it's probably the least violent, and maybe that's why people mm. like it less than the, um, how do you say the other one? Austerlitz. Austerlitz. Because that one is, that's the one in the snow with the ice, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That one's great, and I think that one is a little <laughs> bit more brutal, and I think people tend to like violence a little bit more, but just the sequencing of Waterloo is so, so lack of a better word sexy to Ooh. watch like this overhead shot of all the soldiers kind of like lining up and for in formation oh it's such a it's a fucking great battle scene it's really good uh the imax i went to is the first time i've ever been to that theater that imax was bussin bussin just like a plus <laughs> a plus speakers a plus projection nice. it was like Every cannon shot, my bones were rattling. Wow. Dude, some of the – yeah, like Ridley's got cannonballs going right at your fucking face <laughs> in this movie. It's like wonder, a jump scare. <laughs> I wonder what this movie's like in 40X because I was <laughs> – my teeth were chattering. It was it was an intense experience in IMAX, but intense. I loved it. I loved it. Same. And so like that alone worth the price of admission for me. You know, the middle does become a slog. Um but those sequences, whoo, I can't imagine watching this on Apple TV, like on my puny ass TV and speakers like that is just almost unfair to to the movie itself. Um, But then we get to everything else. And not that I think everything else is bad. I gave the movie ultimately a two and a half as well. Um, I say as well to Marvel's not to your score. Oh, 
I like that this movie is trying to explore this relationship between Napoleon and Josephine. I actually love that about the movie. I just think that it feels like it's cut to bits and you're not spending enough time, not nearly not enough time with Josephine to really understand her relationship with Napoleon. And that we're constantly moving at this pace where it's the movie feels like it knows these sequences are not as interesting as the battle sequences. And so we're just constantly just being cut from place to place, from person to person. And I I, I just, I don't really buy into this relationship that I feel like Ridley Scott wants us to buy in. And it, the times where it starts to work is towards the end, where we do get Napoleon really writing his letters to Josephine and like pouring his heart out to her. Those are the best parts mm-hmm. because we're actually getting time to like get his inner thoughts on his relationship with this this woman. And I feel like it's just like a little bit too late. By the time we get there, I'm just like, I'm exhausted. I'm ready for the movie to end. And then the movie does end. And I and I really wish I would have kept that momentum from the beginning. So that's kind of the core of how I felt about why this movie didn't work for me. I'm curious to know how you feel. Wow. Yeah, I think you summed it up very well. Um, I Yeah, I've been really trying to work through, like I'm trying to do my YouTube review of this film tomorrow. And I'm like, Ooh, shit, tough. like I know it's 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 a long movie and like you said it's trying to tackle a lot of things and i think ultimately it's a movie that so many times people talk about movies that are greater than the sum of its parts i think this movie is less than the sum of its parts like mm. there's so many bits that i really like but it's so nebulous at the end of the day there's no there's no through line it's very thematically like piecemeal there there are parts where you're like okay i get that they're trying to you know get at his masculinity and like his relationship with Josephine. There's like one line that connects that to his relationship with his mother. And then it's like, you know, him as a conqueror and their letters with each other. It's, there's so much that they're getting at. That's so interesting. And I think that's also kind of an inherent, really difficult thing to deal with, with historical biopics that I do not even think that killers of the flower moon or Oppenheimer were immune to Mm -hmm. is that, there is just so much material to cover. And I was impressed that it actually went through Napoleon's whole, uh, n- not like, it's like his kind his of military like life. Military life, exactly. Like when his rise to being really popular in France and taking power and then eventually when it all went to shit and why. Um, but yeah it I mean like you said, obviously was really cut down in the editing room. I mean, there are even moments in the trailer with him and Josephine that I noticed didn't make it in the movie, and that's always a bummer because it's like what they're getting at is so interesting if only there was more context, if only there was more time for us to kind of live mm-hmm. in that relationship and for them to reinforce those themes um but i but I do think there's something like I ultimately gave it a positive score because I think there is something really interesting that they're getting at mm-hmm. and sometimes it does break through and it kind of left me thinking about those things a lot afterwards which i appreciated about the movie um so yeah it's just like one of those really weird movies where it has the material to be really great but you just kind of have to accept that it just didn't come together with this cut at the very least well said well said how much do you think this movie is maybe lacking is a result of this movie's attempt to cover that entire span of that military career. 
like if the movie would have just focused on maybe i don't know before waterloo like we maybe the movie ends on like where are you going next napoleon he's like oh some place <laughs> called waterloo and then the movie ends <laughs> What are we, some kind of Waterloo? <laughs> <laughs> Somehow Waterloo is returned. But I'm curious because there's clearly the movie is trying to capture this really dense part of Napoleon's life. But because there's so much going on, it's like you can't, there's not a possible way you can get to all of it in two and a half hours. There is. It's just not possible. I mean, there's a movie that literally is only about Waterloo. It's yeah. like you have to pick. And I think it's interesting that this movie chose to approach it from him and Josephine's relationship. I honestly had a weird similar problem to Saltburn where in the beginning of Saltburn, Emerald Fennell frames the whole thing with um, Barry Keoghan's – Keoghan? <laughs> Keegan, Keoghan, Keegan, I'm not sure. So him sorry, being Barry. obsessed with Jacob Elordi's character. But then it ends up being about so much more than that. And Napoleon – ends with the word Josephine. And mm -hmm. I was like, is that really like what the film was about? I felt like it was about trying to be about many different things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think it it was wrong for them to try to cover the span that they did in his life. One thing that I did think was very much missing is that I wanted to experience his rule from the perspective of the French people and i don't know if it was um like joaquin phoenix i thought joaquin phoenix was really great for the comedic aspects of this film of which there are many <laughs> um but i didn't think he was charismatic enough or i think it was partially that and partially a script issue that i didn't actually understand why he was so popular like he came back from exile and soldiers just let him back in yeah. But there was more to that about Napoleon than just his victories on the battlefield, you know? And so. Wait, I want to not complain about historical inaccuracies, Sydney. Come on. Napoleon <laughs> shot hey. the pyramid with cannonballs. <laughs> you know, this was my new FNAF is that I have been really deep diving into Napoleon. <laughs> like, I learned a lot about fucking Napoleon in the last two weeks. Has Markiplier done a Napoleon deep dive? <laughs> he watched a YouTube video. Napoleon Wikipedia <laughs> deep dive. <laughs> um, some of uh, it really is not historically accurate, but it's also like. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 totally sarcasm. In case any listeners, no, I know, serious. I know, but that is an interesting conversation in and of itself. I mean, Austerlitz did not happen like that at all. But there are people who are like, oh, like I've seen on Twitter, people are like, the Prussians didn't come in from that flank at Waterloo. Oh, I can't, <laughs> like, dude, fucking nerd. Bring um, back bullying. I think, and I mean, shooting the, and people were saying that. They were going to show that walk uh, that Napoleon shot the nose off the Sphinx in Egypt. They didn't show that. They just shot showed him shooting a cannon at the pyramids, Pyramid. which that is a lot. I mean, Ridley was like, I don't know if that happened, <laughs> but it was a quick way to show that he took Egypt. Which honestly, I mean, that's a completely fair statement. I the, yes, the I agree. The thing about him going to Egypt, there's a lot to that, and you can't. You have to figure out how to put it into a cinematic language where you can portray what happened there quickly. I mean, I don't think people are really going to come out of Napoleon who don't know the history and be like, wow, did you know that he shot a cannon at the pyramid? <laughs> no. Uh, if I was a teacher, I'd be putting it on my tests. Like, 
<laughs> what did Napoleon do in Egypt and throw it on there to get people to answer incorrectly? So, no, but I yeah. completely agree with you. Artistic integrity and like using your history as a as a history can be malleable in the sense that like if you want to express a point like Egypt being conquered, I think kind of warp now you're not warping is such a dramatic word, but like semi warping what happened to kind of express that point is actually kind of badass and really cool. And I like when directors kind of do that. I think that's a really interesting way to get your point across. Now, I, I, historical inaccuracy, this is a totally different conversation for a different day, but I think is important, but it really depends on what you're trying to express in your film. That's um, ultimately right. what the crux of the argument comes to be. You know, it's not like Napoleon destroyed the entire pyramid. Now the the world does not have pyramids anymore. You know, he just shot it and it like kind of, you know, some rocks fell down. And I think it just does a good job conveying that message that this is how powerful this man is. He is conquering one of the wonders of the world. And he's, he's has this, he has the gall to shoot at it. Um, that's what well, really yeah, is important yeah, about yeah. it. So, And then right after that, we see him going up to this uh, like mummified person and it's like a totally embarrassing moment for him now that you know now that he's not behind these big cannons he has to step on a fucking step stool and it just shows that he's kind of like just like a disgrace to like these historical relics and all these things yeah i mean before yeah exactly and before yeah well said and before I saw the film, I was kind of speculating, like wondering if Ridley was going to play on this. Like Napoleon said, history is a set of lies agreed upon. And he is known for his legacy being just shrouded in myth, many of which he created. I mean, he s- created propaganda for himself. He was brilliant in that way. And I mean, there are even things like he, I forget where it was, but he like had to ride somewhere on a on a fucking donkey, and he told the painter to put him on like this heroic white horse. Mm. He knew, you know, this is like a really interesting part of his legacy, and it and the film ends kind of commenting on that, um, where he's talking to these two little girls, and he's like, you know, who burned down Moscow, and he's like, I did, and the little girl is like. Um, I'm pretty sure it was the Russians. And he's like, who told you that? She's like, (laughs) it's common knowledge. (laughs) So I thought the ending was like this really funny and and just a really perfect way to show what his legacy was that ultimately he died. He was alone in exile and and his rise to power. He was his own. He created his own demise because it was all about yeah. pride. He was a megalomaniac, and ultimately, he he caused a lot, a lot of deaths, a lot of French deaths, just because yep. of his own pride. And there are little bits and pieces in there of like him, kind of lying, like bluffing about his own successes. Where he, you hear his uh, voiceover of his letter to Josephine, and he's like, "We're starving." Many soldiers have died. Things are going terribly, and then it cuts to him with his soldier and he is his soldiers, and he's like, "We're winning." <laughs> <laughs> so it's there, like there's this, sort of this meta commentary that I think people are are discrediting about the film. Um, yeah. So yeah, well the historical said. accuracy conversation is fascinating. I think N- Napoleon, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's a Batman fan? Probably. He'd be a Batman fan for sure. He would be. Uh, Final score for Napoleon? 
I gave it a three out of five on my second watch. Okay. I I do wonder if I want to bring it back up at some point. You gave it two point five. Give it a two and a half. I haven't rated it a second time. I'll probably stick with the two and a half. I don't anticipate or see myself watching this in the next ten years of my life. So we'll we'll see. <laughs> You're not gonna we'll watch see. the extended cut. <laughs> if the extended cut comes out, I would watch that. Absolutely. It'll probably be a while. Um, and if that does come out, I honestly think that cut low key could be really, really, really good. I'm not gonna throw the word masterpiece so out there, but I do think it's there's a potential. It's like a four and a half four movie. Yeah, because I don't think the script is bad. I mean, I think ultimately no. it will even in an extended cut, it might be too unfocused. But really, it is just missing that connective tissue, you know? Yeah, I agree. All right, let's segue to our last movie today. Save the best for last. Good Burger 2 premiered on Paramount+. <laughs> Plus. <laughs> Thanksgiving week. Oh, Joe. I should call you Joe the jokester. <laughs> Um, I watched that movie. Don't watch it. Anybody listening, don't waste your time, please. Like it's yeah, this is my service. new my new like uh, my new Marmaduke of this year. It it, <laughs> it really did ignite something in me that just made me fervently hate it. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. Joe was like, "Do you want to do a November recap?" I was like, "We definitely should." I, however, will not be viewing <laughs> Good Burger too. <laughs> you said you made it very. I saw your clear. rating. And that's all we need to know. I hate reading movies like that because the comments on Letterboxd always end up being, you hate fun, you hate fun. It's like, (laughs) no, I actually love fun. I I don't know what part of your brain thinks this is fun. Maybe you're just like, ah, it's a joke. It's fine. You know, whatever. To each their own. If you find it fun, you find it fun. But like, I actually love fun, people. You know what my favorite movie of the year (laughs) is, everybody? It's John Wick fucking four. Uh Uh-huh. And you know what? By the end of this year- I don't think a single movie will pass it if I'm being completely honest. It's looking like that for me too, dude. I, you know what? And I'm okay with that. I don't give a shit anymore. I, I'm embracing the John Wick <laughs> love. Like it, I've, I've accepted the fact that like I haven't seen Poor Things, and there's a couple other movies I'm really excited to watch, and I'm excited to watch Boy in the Heron again. But I'm just, I've, I've accepted John Wick Four as my favorite movie this year, and I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, there hasn't even been like I already saw Poor Things. That was gonna be the one that maybe it was gonna surpass it. Yeah. Anatomy of a Fall came close. I mean, Oppenheimer is my number two. Okay, the Holdovers also in my top four or my holdovers. Top five. Well, perfect segue. The Holdovers is Sorry, in my I top five. It. <laughs> no, it is no, not no. Good Burger Two. <laughs> <laughs> not, not Good Burger Two. We're discussing the Holdovers. I. Oh, I want to conclude that last conversation, by the way. I love fun. So, <laughs> so, so, so move on, Lady Doth protested too much. <laughs> the holdover is, I think, if I remember correctly, I'm going to check right now because I, I, I don't want to. We haven't really talked about the holdovers yet. No, I texted you as soon as I saw it. Like, holy fucking shit, holdovers. We just had a, like a yes, it's so good moment. Dude, I tweeted immediately Dude. out of my theater. I was like, oh, the holdovers is like good, good. I, w- you know, I watched it about a week after most people, I would say, mm-hmm. because it was out, you know, limited, slight public, wide release. Uh, you had seen it at least a few days before I did, maybe five days or so. And and I just heard throughout the the festival circuit, it was good. A lot of people were loving it. 
And you said that like you tweeted that really uh I think not profound, but like it did kind of strike something in me when you said it. Uh that you were feeling kind of like meh because you were in love with a lot of the movies coming out that people were loving mm. and then the holdovers kind of made you feel that spark again. And so I was yeah, like, Yeah, really I wouldn't excited say it was it profound but thanks no no not <laughs> profound but like i think that's a no I, I, well, no we I'm did have a, we had a we had a bit of a dry spell there that i was just like man i'm not like where my excitement for film doesn't feel like it's there right now like i'm seeing this these movies but i'm just not truly connecting with anything and then i saw anatomy of a fall and the holdovers on back-to-back days and i was like we're back. <laughs> we're back, baby. I actually will defend my profound statement because I do think it's easy for people to be caught up in movements <laughs> online and feel like they have to agree with people because they're too afraid that mm. to say, I didn't love Oppenheimer. I didn't love Barbie. I didn't love Kills of Flower Moon. And so they may like blindly just say, yeah, I loved it too. But it's totally okay to not feel connected to these movies that maybe the general population is widely praising. I think that's a really important thing to kind of communicate to people. So it is profound in a way that your tweet is saying, like, it's totally okay to not feel connected to these movies because eventually there will be something that comes along you will connect with. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is profound, okay? take Give yourself some credit. Okay, okay, thanks. Well, I do, like, it It really is important to me, too, because I, yeah, there's so much groupthink online, and I feel like there's been a lot of shifting to kind of, like, looking at films more objectively. Like, I see that conversation of, like, uh, you know, I like it, therefore it's good. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, if that's a thing. Like is a is a like a guilty pleasure movie really a thing? And I always try to remind myself when I see a movie that's been really hyped up. I'm like, when you watch a movie that you love, you know it. You know it. And am I feeling that right now? And walking out of the holdovers, I was like, I love that. Body a vibrating, lot. just like goosebumps. Uh, uh-huh. I actually was telling somebody, or I don't know who it was, but I was telling somebody about a week ago that. I was feeling kind of bummed that no movies this year have made me really cry. I haven't had a moment watching a 2023 movie where I I had to sit in theater and take a second to collect myself because the movie just kind of wrecked me or I was feeling really emotional. The closest movie was Kills of Flower Moon. I got really emotional the second time watching it. Mm. And I got really emotional on my fifth watch of John Wick 4 because... (laughs) There are just some scenes that just really fill me with so much emotion. Unearthing new thematic elements on watch number 10. (laughs) Donnie Yen, wind up punch the fourth time. I'm like crying at that point. Just like, what? It's tears. It is a thing of beauty. It is a thing of beauty. (gasps) You know what I did? What? I just opened my letterbox and I'm like, I was crazy for that. (laughs) I moved Asteroid City to my number three. And you know what? That's true. Oh, see, and that's another movie where like kind of maybe the opposite of your tweet. If you feel connected to a movie, fuck it. Who cares if people don't? And Astro City is a very well received movie, but I'm just saying in general, if you feel connected to a movie, fuck everyone else. Yeah, it really hasn't left me. Anyways, sorry. Um, But anyways, The Holdovers is the first movie, a 2023 release to really just strike something in my core where I cried three times. You were really crying. Wow. And when the movie ended, I was like, 
hell yeah this is it this is like this is movies man this is why like, i'm, I'm that here it is movies it is uh oh i lied past lives did make me feel something as well i, I definitely felt uh something break True. inside me when i watched that <laughs> one but the holdovers currently sits number five of my favorite movies this year i love it dearly let's give a quick plot summary in this one because people may okay. not be aware of it the Holdovers, a curmudgeonly instructor at New England prep school, is forced to remain on campus during Christmas break to babysit the handful of students with nowhere to go. Eventually, he forms an unlikely bond with one of them, a damaged, brainy troublemaker, and with the school's head cook, who has just lost her son in Vietnam. It's an interesting yep. summary, but it basically captures the essence of the movie. Uh can I just get your initial reactions walking into the holdovers? You kind of touched on it uh, already, but I kind of want to dive deeper into it. Well, so I, I I tweeted about actually seeing the holdovers because I, I don't know, I was alone. I went to see it one night. I had heard great things about it. It's also a Boston movie, so I was very excited. And that's why I was like, I wonder if you'll love it as much because it's such, it's so like New England core. Um, I got a beer and it was like, it was like euphoria <laughs> like i and people were like oh i don't know they someone made some comment I, I had like a single beer and so i was at the point where i was just like so in my feelings after i watched it and i walked home i like put a playlist in it was just like it's what happened to me when i saw licorice pizza that i just like was walking home alone and i put music on and i was just like this is what movies are <laughs> and just had a very like you get me emotional thinking about moment. that. Um, but it's just, I mean, it's almost useless, like, explaining the details of this film. You just have to see it. It's just such, like, a life-affirming, cozy, like, big hug of a film. Did and... you see that uh, Alexander Haynes hates the word cozy? Or, like, he doesn't hate oh, the word yeah. cozy. He just, well, like, doesn't understand. Well, because he thinks it's sad. <laughs> I, and the, I know there's this, there was this big discourse where he said that, and people were like, well, sometimes depression is cozy. I was like, oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> but this is true, man. That just It just got dark all of a sudden. <laughs> because this movie does have darker themes. I mean, it kind of, as you learn more about these characters – you really get to the heart of who they are and the things that they're struggling with. Um, mm -hmm. I Yeah, like with Paul Giamatti's character and also Dominic Sessa and Divine Joy Randolph's character. All three performances are freaking incredible. I don't know. Do you agree that like I would be happy with seeing either any of them get nominated for an Oscar? Well, I have this question to say for kind of the end of this discussion oh, okay. on the holdovers. So I'm going to save it. But... Uh, let's just save it because I want. Be, okay, okay. I, if, once we'll we bring up the Oscars, Anyways, I'm going to like go into a different tangent. So it's just that they all, all three characters, they they bond over these really, really tough things that they have going on in their lives, and it's just a very, it's just very vulnerable and uh, vulnerable. Yep. Yeah, very vulnerable. I, I think that what I love about this movie. You know, it's funny that you said you're worried or you were wondering if I was going to love it because it is very East Coast vibes. I've, yeah, like I've said on this podcast and to you and friends all the time, I've seen snow like one time in my life, never <laughs> to the extent of this, like snowy grounds and constantly snowing and wearing. I don't even own like a snow jacket. Like not, this is all very unfamiliar territory for me as a Southern Californian. But why I think it's going to resonate with so many people is ultimately because this movie is 
about how everybody wants to be loved. Yeah. I mean, everybody. Uh, Dominic Sessa's character is, you know, this 17-year-old kid in high school. And, and Paul Giamatti is this kind of rude, uptight, pompous professor. And Divine Joan Radoldolf is a, a mom who's lost a son. And it's these three wildly different people in different parts and phases of their lives. But they all want one thing. And they all just, like, want to be loved. And it's, like, such a pure and it's just it's such a pure feeling and i think that anybody can relate to that and that's why yeah. this movie when people go watch it are going to walk out feeling so the lack of a better word cozy it's because it, they can relate to any of these characters to some extent and it, it's incredible how this movie can achieve that i think that it's incredible this movie can have you in tears but have you laughing really hard at other mm -hmm. moments the scene where he dislocates his shoulder i <laughs> tears but like a laughter coming out of my face it's it is so funny uh, when paul Giamatti caused like the headmaster a penis cancer i was <laughs> this is it I, this is it if this movie were to win best picture this year i would be totally happy with it wouldn't that be nice i i mean we'll talk about that later maybe towards <laughs> award season but it is an incredible movie and in, in how it achieves all of that through its performances, through its way of evoking kind of like the 70s type film because it's being filmed and edited in a way to intentionally evoke mm -hmm. that feeling. It's a it's a hell of a movie. I cannot yeah. stress enough. It is a hell I mean, of a movie. I think you've truly gotten to the core, the heart of the film is that it's about love and it's about wanting to be loved. And... Yeah. Yeah, and I think there is something for everyone to see themselves in. Like it's it is kind of about how like everyone has their own struggles and all all three of these people really have walls up. I mean, you get to really see Paul Giamatti is so good. You get to see him oh, kind of so let good, his dude. I mean, him and Dominic Sessa especially, they both have walls that they really need to let down. Um yeah, I don't know. It's just something you got to experience. And how did he? It really feels like it got plucked right out of the 70s. That's That was crazy to me. Yeah, it's a smart decision, I think, because putting it in that time period without like cell phones, without distractions, right. I think it's it really fits what the movie is trying to say. Mm -hmm. It would have been a lot harder to communicate in like a 21st century, 2010s, 2020s type of climate. But this this kind of particular time period in this particular place really lends itself perfectly to the message of the movie. Yeah. I mean, it just makes you want to be kind to people and, and yeah, keep keep in mind that everyone's going through something. Yeah. Now I want to segue to quick Oscar talk. Ooh. Not going to spend too much time here, but what are we thinking here? Best picture nomination? Yes, obviously. Best picture I mean, there's ten, I mean, there's 10 movies. I think it is for sure. Okay. I think so too. Do you? Okay. Oh, yeah. I think as a nomination, it's a lock for sure. We're getting a lot of good movies this year, though. I eventually want to do an Oscars power ranking, an Oscars prediction episode with all three of us, you, me, and Clara. I, I know there's 10, but I think Holdovers is for sure one of those 10. Okay. I agree. Best actor? <sighs> I've seen people doubting the Paul Giamatti train. So who do we know is a lock? Killian is a lock. 
Killian is a lock. Is Leo um, a lock? Yes. Coop Bradley Cooper seems like a lock. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's got it's got lock all over it. Yeah. Okay, um, those three are locks. I know. I can't think of any like male performances from this year. Great performance. Great year for leading women. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> he gets John the Oscar Ford? for the most. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think he's gonna get it, Paul Giamatti. This is like a, it's like Jamie Lee Curtis. It's like a legacy Oscar. Okay, let me, I want to go through these here. The, here, pull up a website and we can kind of talk about it real quick. Okay. Jeffrey Wright, American Fiction. I haven't seen American Fiction actually, so I I don't know. I say he. I don't say he's a lock, but I think it's a very likely, strong likelihood. Okay. So he's on the bubble. Uh, Coleman Domingo for Rustin. I have not seen that yet. Also haven't seen that. Okay. We have Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. He's on the website? Are you, what, what are you? I'm on Variety. So on Variety, they don't even list okay. him. They have Cooper, DiCaprio, Coleman Domingo, Killian Murphy, and Jeffrey Wright. I guess we'll have to see Rustin. I think I, he's. I think he's going to make it. I think he gets in over Coleman Domingo for sure. I think so too. Maybe. Okay. Um, actress, no actress in leading role for this movie. Is there any world where actor in supporting role he gets in? I doubt it. Being honest, people love like a witty, a new new guy, like the witty kid role, and a new guy. I mean, they plucked him right off of the freaking. It's like a Deerfield or something. Yeah, here is what Variety lists as the, the predictions. De Niro for uh, Flower Moon. Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer. Mm. Ryan Gosling for Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> you laughing at Robert Downey Jr.? <laughs> yeah, I was not on the RDJ. I thought he was good, but I'm like, are we really Who's that senator him? who voted against me again? <laughs> uh, some kind of John F. Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny that it was fucking Alden Ehrenreich who delivered that. He was literally on Sola. <laughs> Kennedy. John F. Kennedy. <laughs> uh, Variety's predicting Ryan Gosling to take this, by the way. Um, Holt McCall. I don't, have, I don't know how to say his name. Holt McCallany for The Iron Claw. The Iron Claw. I'm excited for The Iron Claw. Same. Charles Melton from May, December. Charles Melton was really good. Dude, the Charles yeah. Melton hype train is real. I'll just yeah, say that is. about May December. He's fucking good in that movie. I don't Have think you he gets the in Iron Claw. I I know he might be a little too young. Okay. Okay. Actress He's got a bright ass future though. Um, Emily Blunt, Oppenheimer, American Ferrera, Barbie, Sandra Holler, The Zone of Interest, Julianne Moore, May December. And then Divine Joy Randolph, The Holdovers. She is currently Variety's They've pick. They've got her winning. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. She's phenomenal in this movie. I cannot it's stress a, a to everybody listening understated. right now. It's a very easy performance to, uh, to overlook. That's exactly she's why I think. so invisible in the role. Agree. That's exactly why I think people may kind of overlook it. It's because it's a lot quieter than Giamatti or Dominic Sessa's right. roles. But every scene she's in, she is like... She is kind of the glue that holds the whole thing together. Absolutely. She is in command of every single second she's on the screen. And she is phenomenal in it. I love that. What do you think? Uh, no Natalie Portman, but uh, Julianne Moore's here. 
I think we have Natalie Portman. Uh, if she is the lead, is she in lead? Let's see. Do you think she's the lead? No, she's not. No, she's I don't not think she's there. the lead at all. But she's not there. Um, Julianne Moore is better. Hmm. Hmm. That's a discussion for a different day. That is. But <laughs> I mean, Divine Joy Randolph. Yeah, fucking give it to her. Yeah, she's. I she don't see it. anyone here who I'm more like. I mean, I haven't seen. So excited to see the Zone of Interest. I have not seen same, it. Same. But otherwise, I don't really. And we see love Sandra Bowler like. in the Anatomy of a Fall. So. Um. Yes. Yeah, that's true. We shall see. We shall see. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an original screenplay. It will. Yes. Variety has it winning original screenplay. Wow. Over Maestro, May, December, Origin, and Past Lives. This feels a little outdated, if I'm being honest with you. Really? Oh, two days ago. Never, oh, no. Is this from... What was this? I think it's I think it's a little outdated, if I'm being honest. I'm going to click awards 16th, daily. 10 days ago. Okay. It's not that old. Let's see here. Awards it... daily. Mm, let's see what the... Here we go here. Best picture. Holdovers is in there. Ooh, no, no best director for Alexander Payne right now. Hmm. Paul Giamatti is in the the short list of the five for best actor according to Awards Daily. Nice. Best actress, uh, best supporting actor. No, Dom- oh, Dominic Sessa is according to Awards Daily on the top. In the, in wow. The this is very different. They have Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things in here. Huh. Well, honestly, I think that's a good pick. Huh. Okay. He's okay. really good in poor things. Uh, there's just so much to go over still. We'll we'll do Oscar power rankings so soon. I promise yeah. everybody. When January hits, oh boy, get ready. Get ready, <laughs> Are you it's ready Oscar for it? Oscar mode. I am ready. I'm not like I've never been like an Oscar person. I think it's really fun to talk about. I've just never been. Some people get like competitive about it. I don't think I get. I don't think I get competitive. I do watch everything nominated. I do get very involved, and I love the conversations about it. I don't know if I get competitive though. Mm. There's no point in me getting competitive about it. I'm not. Nothing's on stake on the line for me, um, except my reputation if I post something incorrectly. <laughs> but you know, I'm not competing with anybody. Is what I'm trying to say. But so. yeah, I think it's very likely that for holdovers, we see screenplay, picture. Supporting actress, lead actor. Yeah, I agree. That'd be very nice. I agree. I want to post that guy on Twitter, that image of that guy standing up in like the pews in church. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to tweet it eventually and say, Paul Giamatti for best actor. I'll That'll... fucking retweet you because I agree. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, op, the oppie heads will be a little upset, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, all right. Uh, final score for the holdovers. Have you given it a score yet? I don't think I've seen you. I have mm-hmm. not logged it. Um, you have it. I'm, but I've been 4. waiting 5 for it. Four point five out of five. Hell yeah, baby! That's what I got yeah. that too. It's one, of, but it is gonna it's, it's gonna be in my uh, holiday movie lineup. So oh, same, same. The five same. is almost imminent. Imminent five. That's very good to hear. It's also a four point five for me. It's my fifth favorite movie this year. Same. I just cannot stress enough that uh, if you're looking for a holiday movie, that's the movie to watch. I, I don't want to say this, but I will. It is available on VOD starting November twenty eighth, which that is the day of this episode being published. So if you really can't oh. make it to the theaters, it is available. Well, but so many on people, VOD. it's not playing near them. 
Good point. Okay, I feel a little bit better then. Okay. It's not playing near you. Run, don't walk to your, your TV, living room. I suppose. Exactly. It is available on VOD starting November 28th. And um, like Sydney said, it is going to be like a holiday rotation movie. This is going to be a movie I think people will be watching for years. Yeah, it's it's really rewatchable. Yeah. I'm, I kind of want to rewatch it, if I'm being honest. Me too. Wait, what are your top five? My current top five is as follows. John Wick Chapter 4 at number one. John Wick Chapter 4 at number two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the number two goes to The Boy and the Heron. Oh. Number three is Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, don't. Uh, we haven't even discussed how you feel about it yet. And oh, I. The Boy and the Heron? <laughs> yeah, Next the question. Boy the... <laughs> 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 You've been on this podcast for a year? That's like. Good you want to know that me and my dad both walked out I, after a, after Napoleon, I said, because my dad saw the boy in the heron with me at the Alamo opening. And I said, mm-hmm. did you like it more than the boy in the heron? And he said, yes. And I said, me too. <laughs> Shut. I can't. I can't. That's going to like break my heart. I'm, I'm never going to pull <laughs> the you just don't understand card. But maybe I will. Don't. I understand. I'm a Miyazaki <laughs> head. Yeah, clearly you're not. They can't all be winners. Dude. Though I don't think I would say that now after seeing Napoleon again. It was the post it was the post Waterloo high. <laughs> Do a four four point average on Letterbox? Damn, that's a that's a good ass movie. Hey, remember what you were saying earlier about <laughs> <laughs> just because everyone else fucking likes a movie? <laughs> Uh, that excludes Miyazaki movies called Boy in the Heron, actually. <laughs> Anyways, we'll talk about it later. We'll Boy in the Heron number two, that's nice for you. <laughs> Fuck you. Don't Flower at Moon at number rank. three. Is it even on yours yet? You don't, You also have been too cowardly yeah. to post your review on it. Oh, I'm not cowardly. Three, I'm just busy, three and a half. bro. Three I give and it... Half. I give it I uh oh I always put movies in my ranking. If you if I haven't reviewed a movie and you want to know kind of what I thought about it, go to my ranking. It'll be there. Hmm. Three and a half score. Interesting. Yeah. Um you're currently the lowest of all my friends who have it rated, really? by the way. Oh no, no. Film not drunk alone. has it three and a half. You're not alone. Yeah. So see? I'm sitting pretty with uh, you know, David Ehrlich and uh some other big critics, you know. It's, okay. It's, you know. You're being okay. pretentious, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to John Wick 4, John Wick 4, John Wick 4, John Wick 4, John Wick 4. That's my that, top five. You know, so that's where we find peace and common ground. <laughs> okay. Three is Flower Moon, four is Past Lives, five is Holdovers. Okay. Wow, that's nice. Where are you at? I've got John Wick Chapter 4, Oppenheimer, Asteroid City, Anatomy of a Fall, and The Holdovers. And then I, just oh, barely good. missing it is poor things. I am kind of shocked you like Anatomy of Fall that much. I really enjoyed it. That is that is to me the most shocking of the that ranking. Really? But you liked it too, yeah? No, I did. I mean, I'm, I give it I give it a four. But it is a movie that I'm like. The longer I stay with it, the more I'm like, yeah, it's good. I'm wow. not like over the moon about it at all. See, that surprises me. I thought it was <laughs> very riveting. Where's the killer sit for you in your 10? Or if it's in your 10 at all. It is 10. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yep. It's my number nine. 
Oh, okay. What's your six, seven, eight? Six is Oppie. Seven is Across Spider-Verse. Eight is How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Nine, The Killer. Wow. Ten, Priscilla. How to Blow I, Up a Pipeline has stayed that high for you? I need to revisit it. I finally own it. I'm going to revisit it probably in the next week to see if I still feel that strongly. Okay. But currently on the bubble, When Evil Lurks, American Fiction are kind of there. But I do feel very strongly about Pipeline, if I'm being honest. Wow. Yeah. That, I mean, it's a great movie. I'm also shocked by your Oppie love. Because you didn't, when that Oppenheimer conversation was happening, you weren't really involved in a lot of uh, tweets and discourse, I feel like. So I was kind of in the dark on how you felt about it. No, but sometimes I lurk. Um, Ooh, it's not, evil? it's not, what? With the evil? Live with evil. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's not one of those movies I'm like, I, yeah, my love for it has been quiet. But with me, when I when I think a movie is really interesting and I do a real deep dive into it, it's on YouTube. Like I get all of my thoughts out in my YouTube video and then I kind of like move on, you know? Yeah. Um, no, it's fair enough. Fair enough. I was just always shocked by it because I, you know, feel like you know, I spent yeah, so much I mean, time I on Twitter. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I'd like to see it a third time. And also when I first saw it, that was the time when I had a headache for the whole movie. <laughs> and it was terrible and i was like i don't know if i loved that and so i saw it again and i liked it a uh, lot more. i like the oppenheimer memes you know what we should do at the end of the year is rank all the memes from these movies and see who, who that the would best be memes. great because dude memes financial performance and meme ability are There's directly a relationship. connected there is, there is a, a relationship a positive correlation i agree <laughs> I completely agree with that. What's your six, seven, eight? So I've got Poor Things, Past Lives, The Killer, May, December, Killers of the Flower Moon. Though May, December, I might put above The Killer. I don't know. Mm, got it, got it, got it. They're kind it, of interchangeable. It. Yeah, I don't know where May, December is going on this list, if I'm being honest. I think I'm having it higher than a lot of movies, but... Where's where's Dead Reckoning set for you right now? I'm so I have it right at eleven. Then I have it after Killers. Oh. I, I'm looking at Dead Reckoning at fifteen on mine. Like, dude, I haven't thought about that movie since the day I saw it. I know. I'd like to rewatch it. It was kind of weird how everyone just kind of forgot about it because it was good. It was but you get having a one week before Barbenheimer weekend. I know, but I also think like Tom Tom Cruise might be too old at this point to like be the it girl of the movie scene yeah he might be remember everyone was like tom cruise is gonna save save movies and then he, he did once and then it was barbenheimer that saved movies yeah yeah he true. did once he did with, i know top gun maverick was kind of his moment interesting interesting well we'll save our conversations for top tens in the year there's still some really big movies i need to see that you yeah. need to see i like your top that 10 could, though. Uh, that could, i like yours too like it definitely warp how we feel about certain things. Mm-hmm. That's Rebel for sure. Moon. That's the that's like the ultimate wild card of twenty twenty three. Rebel Moon. Yeah. Rebel Moon. Poor things for me. I thought Silent Night would would make a splash. Sadly, it did not. Yeah, bummer. I'm seeing it Thursday. I'm. I mean, oh, we'll save that conversation. All my excitement. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just you know bringing you down a peg. So when you go watch it and you no, walk out, you fair. feel good. No, that's fair. I'm gonna go into it with very very neutrally yeah exactly um there's, there's yeah one, so oh, wonka 
Wonka. Wonka wildcard. Calling it right now. I don't like Wonka. No. I don't know. I'm I still so think you like Joy, if I'm being honest. Remember when you said earlier? <laughs> <laughs> this is the end of the podcast, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, Wonka, you know, I'm open to liking it. You just, it's got that mushy gushy shit that I fear I don't always love. <laughs> but people have seen it and they're, I don't think the embargo is up, but I've seen good like vague reactions i've spoken to people via text message who have confirmed it is much better than what people are going to be expecting oh okay so well then i hope it's good i want to see i have to see maestro maestro is a movie i wish i loved zone of interest zone of interest is a big one iron claw iron claw iron claw uh ferrari the color purple there's just a lot that we need to watch still so top 10 lists will need to be moved around discussed a lot in like january and then we'll have an episode dedicated to kind of our our 10 favorite i'm excited dude the year is almost over i know how did that happen i want to ask you how you felt about this year but it might be a better conversation for yeah we can year is actually over but how do you feel about uh, november good real good well good (laughs) good just good. The holdovers has have me on like in a big high right now, and I uh-huh. really like Priscilla. I like the killer. Yeah, are there any other movies you'd want to like say something about? Mm, uh, you know, Leo starring Adam Sandler for the Netflix movie. <laughs> Did you see that? I had a really just rough two days of watching <laughs> shit. <laughs> oh wait, yeah, wait. I knew that you watched that. <laughs> um, we talked about the killer. I love the killer. We talked about Priscilla. I love Priscilla. I don't know if there's anything we've seen recently. Dream Uh, Scenario got its limited release. I wasn't super high on Dream Scenario, though, as I'm sure you Yeah, you and I are both in the same kind of boat. We're like, I liked it. That's it. Yeah. I've been trying to catch up on movies I hadn't (laughs) seen back in, like, September. Oh, like what? I watched Dumb Money for the first time. Oh, okay. Mid? I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, I give it a three. Yeah, I don't so think it's I. like the most well-made movie. It just kind of feels not like a cop out, but it doesn't feel like anybody's really trying hard or at anything. And yeah. It's just like, but the subject material is so interesting that I'm like interested in watching it. Right. You know, it, it's weird to watch a movie that you lived through two years ago. True. Um, and I thought the cast was great. Cast is good. Yeah. I, not the most sound movie but it is what it is i had a good time watching it um hunger games silent night oh yeah the hunger games um i think that's uh the killer basically it. saltburn uh, is this a saltburn month when did saltburn come out saltburn is did come out this month we just saw it back in september have you seen it a second time i yet? know yeah i did see it a second time because amc had like an early Oh, that's right. Like an early showing of it or whatever. So I saw it again. I still liked it. And I stand by the fact that I liked it, even though people decided to turn on it on Twitter. We talked about it in the Patreon episode, so I don't want you to repeat yourself. But I I liked what you said earlier in the Patreon episode that like... Well, I said that I think people are exaggerating, saying that it's like really supremely bad, only as a response to the people who are calling it this like super provocative exactly shocking it, yeah. movie i think they're they're both equally and i said it's neither like it's not this super provocative depraved film but it's also not you know I, sure it's thematically misguided it's not really getting at what emerald Fennell 
thinks it is getting at. But I, I, I think a lot of people agree that it just works as a very beautiful and entertaining film. And so I decided to take it as that. Um, and I, I had a, both times I had a lot of fun with it. Awesome. That's how I feel about it, too. I think nice. that point I really wanted to echo because I completely agree. The exaggerations of both sides are causing this movie to be a headache when I yeah. don't think it's either of those things at all. So I hope cool. Emerald Fennell has not been on Twitter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, week. did you see the most recent Emerald Fennell story that came out today? Which one? About her wanting to remake Jurassic Park. But oh, like yeah. Dinosaurs and people fuck? I don't know. That, when I saw that, I was like, all right, girl, you're starting to get on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they were right. Yeah, maybe we should back up a little bit. Um, all right. Any other movies you want to highlight before we close out the episode? Um, I think we kind of touched on everything. I'm glad that you guys are doing all your uh, Hunger Games stuff. Yeah, less episodes everyone this can week. go listen. Yeah, your in-depth episode of Ballads of Songbirds and Snakes. Um, and yeah, the Patreon, it has been Hunger Games Month. Yeah. December, though, bring in some new content. It's going to be pretty yeah. exciting. We don't know our horror theme yet. That is partly my fault. My bad. Well, um, we have time. We have time. We have time. But I'm curious to know what our patrons will vote for. Because we're, we're finishing up Final Girls Month. We've done Jennifer's Body. We've done... Barbarian. Barbarian and, and the, the menu. menu. And now we have yeah. Ready or Not this week. And so yeah. next month... My guess is the roomies, the patrons will choose a holiday horror theme. Yeah. It's the holidays. It seems but obvious. Hell, bring it. Talk about some Krampus. Talk about yeah, Black Christmas. I'm ready. Yeah, I would love to talk about Black Christmas. Let's do it. It's going to be a fun yeah. time. But it is always very intense when the when the poll goes out. Because <laughs> <laughs> immediately the one I want to win loses. <laughs> I know. Justice for anacondas and spiders Dude, one justice day. justice for aliens. <laughs> aliens too, that's true. Whatever. Not, and for the people who say aliens, not like uh, the movie, the aliens, the creature. Oh, yeah. The yeah, alien movies. <laughs> uh, perfect. Well, on that note, uh, if, check out the Patreon. If you want look, exclusive content, there are multiple tiers to choose from. Um, you can also subscribe to the Patreon for free. That does support us. If uh, it, it may sound yeah. like it doesn't, but it totally does. Um, and you do get access to one Patreon exclusive, exclusive episode a month. Other than that, Sydney, uh, I will talk to you later. And everybody listening, I hope you have a wonderful day, night, week, and weekend. Enjoy the lamb chops Destiny has brought to you, <laughs> and we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye, listeners.